For those new to the podcast, welcome to where members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints feel like they connect with and enjoy the scriptures within minutes. We do this verse by verse, with the help from modern witnesses of Jesus Christ, giving deep, powerful, and engaging insights to what we are reading. Also, helping us see how ancient scriptures very much apply to us in the modern day. Feel free to follow this podcast to stay up to date and share it with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Right now, we are gaining insight on the Book of Mormon. My style is to always read the verse or verses first to give us context, and then let those verses really flourish in your minds by accompanying them with insights directly after. This way, we get a healthy dose of scriptures with our commentary. I invite you to listen to the scriptures being read intently before the insights and see if you can find what the topic will be. I also invite you to write down anything you needed to hear today and feel free to share it with the community using the hashtag AllInChristDaily. So, 1st Nephi 3.15 states for us, But behold, I said unto them that, As the Lord liveth, and as we live, we will not go down unto our Father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord hath commanded us. Elder Bruce R. McConkie of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles gave this explanation. Nephi made God his partner. If he failed to get the plates, it meant God had failed. And because God does not fail, it was incumbent upon Nephi to get the plates or lay down his life in the attempt. 1 Nephi 4.6 states for us, And I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. Sometimes it takes courage to be led by the Spirit. There will be times when the world's logic and reasoning will suggest a course of action that is contrary to the Lord's teaching. Elder John H. Groberg of the Seventy challenged us, Be willing to take reasonable risks. We live in an age of reason, logic, facts, and figures. These can be useful if kept in subjection to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if they ever take precedence over faith in Him, then they are not useful and can be very harmful. I have found in my life that most of the good decisions I have made may not have been made if they were based solely on logic or reason. Nephi was determined to do what God wanted him to do, even with logic to the contrary. The scriptures tell us in 1 Nephi 4-6 that he went forth not knowing beforehand what he should do, but knowing he should obey God and get the plates. I suspect had he listened only to reason, Nephi and his brethren would still be waiting outside the walls of Jerusalem. I sometimes wonder if by our listening to reason and logic too much, and not trusting God enough, we may find ourselves waiting outside the walls of his holy city. First, Nephi 4, 10 states for us, And it came to pass that I was constrained by the Spirit that I should kill Laban. But I said in my heart, Never at any time have I shed the blood of man. And I shrunk, and would that I might not slay him. What justification is there for a righteous man like Nephi to take the life of another person? The prophet Joseph Smith taught that it is the Lord who sets the standard of right and wrong. God said, Thou shalt not kill. At another time, he said, Thou shalt utterly destroy. This is the principle on which the government of heaven is conducted. By revelation adapted to the circumstances in which the children of the kingdom are placed. Whatever God requires is right, no matter what it is, although we may not see the reason thereof till long after the events transpire. If we seek first the kingdom of God, all good things will be added. So with Solomon, first he asked wisdom, and God gave it him, and with it every desire of his heart, even things which might be considered abominable to all who understand the order of heaven 
only in part, but which in reality were right because God gave and sanctioned by special revelation. Some people have incorrectly felt that the Spirit of the Lord has prompted them to do something contrary to what the Lord has already commanded, such as was the case with Nephi. Today, we need not worry that the Lord might prompt us to do something that runs contrary to current commandments. President Harold B. Lee has taught us who the Lord will give such promptings to, when there is to be anything different from that which the Lord has told us already. He will reveal it to his prophet and no one else. It should be remembered that the Lord gave Laban at least two chances to part with the brass plates without requiring his life. Laban was a liar, a robber, and he had at least twice sought to murder. Stealing and attempted murder could both be punishable by death. The Lord wanted Lehi and his descendants to have the scriptural record even if one man should perish for it to happen. The brass plates blessed not only the Nephite and Mulekite nations, but they led to some of the written portions of the gold plates as well, such as Isaiah quotations and the allegory of Zenos. The Book of Mormon has blessed and will bless the lives of millions of people and nations. Ultimately, all this was at stake when Nephi stood over Laban and followed the voice of the Spirit. 1 Nephi 4, 30-37 states for us, And it came to pass that when the servant of Laban beheld my brethren, he began to tremble, and was about to flee from before me and return to the city of Jerusalem. And now I, Nephi, being a man large in stature, and also having received much strength of the Lord, therefore I did seize upon the servant of Laban and held him, that he should not flee. And it came to pass that I spake with him, that if he would hearken unto my words, as the Lord liveth, and as I live, even so, that if he would hearken unto our words, we would spare his life. And I spake unto him, even with an oath, that he need not fear, that he should be a free man like unto us, if he would go down in the wilderness with us. And I also spake unto him, saying, Surely the Lord hath commanded us to do this thing, and shall we not be diligent in keeping the commandments of the Lord? Therefore, if thou wilt go down into the wilderness to my father, thou shalt have place with us. And it came to pass that Zoram did take courage at the words which I spake. Now Zoram was the name of the servant, and he promised that he would go down into the wilderness unto our father. Yea, and he also made an oath unto us that he would tarry with us from that time forth. Now we were desirous that he should tarry with us for this cause, that the Jews might not know concerning our flight into the wilderness, lest they should pursue us and destroy us. And it came to pass that when Zoram had made an oath unto us, our fears did cease concerning him. When Zoram realized that he was with Nephi and not with his master Laban, he began to tremble and was about to flee. His fears ceased, however, when Nephi promised the servant that he would not be harmed and could be a free man if he went to the wilderness with Lehi's sons. When Zoram returned an oath that he would stay with Nephi and his brothers, their fears did cease concerning him. Both Zoram and Nephi illustrate the potential power of a person's integrity. Elder Richard G. Scott of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles observed the need for integrity as a foundation for spiritual strength. The bedrock of character is integrity. Worthy character will strengthen your capacity to respond obediently to the direction of the Spirit. Righteous character is what you are becoming. It is more important than what you own, what you have learned, or what goals you have accomplished. It allows you to be trusted. Righteous character provides the foundation of spiritual strength. It enables you in times of trial and testing to make difficult, extremely important decisions correctly, even when they seem overpowering. First, Nephi 4.33 states for us, 
and I spake unto him, even with an oath, that he need not fear, that he should be a free man like unto us if he would go down in the wilderness with us. The Book of Mormon contains a number of instances where oaths were taken. Oath-making was taken very seriously in Nephi's day and culture. The principle on which an oath is held to be binding is incidentally laid down in as an ultimate appeal to divine authority to ratify an assertion. There the Almighty is represented as promising or denouncing with an oath, i.e. doing so in the most positive and solemn manner. On the same principle, that oath has always been held most binding, which appealed to the highest authority, both as regards individuals and communities. As a consequence of this principle, appeals to God's name on the one hand, and to heathen deities on the other, are treated in Scripture as tests of allegiance, says Bible scholar William Smith. Hugh Nibley explained the power of oath-making in ancient times. What astonishes the Western reader is the miraculous effect of Nephi's oath on Zoram, who upon hearing a few conventional words promptly becomes tractable. While as for the brothers, as soon as Zoram made an oath unto us, that he would tarry with us from that time forth, our fears did cease concerning him. The reaction of both parties makes sense when one realizes that the oath is the one thing that is most sacred and inviolable among the desert people and their descendants. Hardly will an Arab break his oath, even if his life be in jeopardy. For there is nothing stronger and nothing more sacred than the oath among the nomads and even the city Arabs, if it be exacted under special conditions. The taking of an oath is a holy thing with the Bedouins, says one authority. Woe to him who swears falsely. His social standing will be damaged and his reputation ruined. No one will receive his testimony, and he must also pay a money fine. But not every oath will do. To be most binding and solemn an oath should be by the life of something, even if it be but a blade of grass. The only oath more awful than that by my life, or less commonly, by the life of my head, is the Wahayat Allah, by the life of God, or as the Lord liveth, the exact Arabic equivalent of the ancient Hebrew Hai Eloham. Today it is glibly employed by the city Riffraff, but anciently it was an awful thing, as it still is among the desert people. In our modern day they say, by the life of thee in a little matter. Among both Arabs and Jews, says Samuel Rosenblatt, an oath without God's name is no oath. While both in Jewish and Mohammedan societies, oaths by the life of God are frequent. So we see that the only way that Nephi could possibly have pacified the struggling Zoram in an instant was to utter the one oath that no man would dream of breaking, the most solemn of all oaths to the Semite, as the Lord liveth, and as I live. 1 Nephi 5, 10-22 states for us, And after they had given thanks unto the God of Israel, my father Lehi took the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, and he did search them from the beginning. And he beheld that they did contain the five books of Moses, which gave an account of the creation of the world, and also of Adam and Eve, who were our first parents, and also a record of the Jews from the beginning, even down to the commencement of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah and also the prophecies of the holy prophets, from the beginning, even down to the commencement of the reign of Zedekiah, and also many prophecies which have been spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah. And it came to pass that my father Lehi also found upon the plates of brass a genealogy of his fathers. Wherefore he knew that he was a descendant of Joseph. Yea, even that Joseph who was the son of Jacob, 
who was sold into Egypt and who was preserved by the hand of the Lord, that he might preserve his father, Jacob, and all his household from perishing with famine. And they were also led out of captivity and out of the land of Egypt by that same God who had preserved them. And thus my father, Lehi, did discover the genealogy of his fathers. And Laban also was a descendant of Joseph, wherefore he and his fathers had kept the records. And now when my father saw all these things, he was filled with the Spirit, and began to prophesy concerning his seed, that these plates of brass should go forth unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, who were of his seed. Wherefore, he said that these plates of brass should never perish, neither should they be dimmed any more by time. And he prophesied many things concerning his seed. And it came to pass that thus far I and my father had kept the commandments wherewith the Lord had commanded us. And we had obtained the records which the Lord had commanded us, and searched them, and found that they were desirable, yea, even of great worth unto us, insomuch that we could preserve the commandments of the Lord unto our children. Wherefore, it was wisdom in the Lord that we should carry them with us, as we journeyed in the wilderness towards the land of promise. The plates of brass were a volume of ancient scripture. They were valuable to Lehi's family and the future inhabitants in the Americas, just as the Bible and Latter-day scriptures are to us. Elder Bruce R. McConkie used Book of Mormon scriptures to describe the plates of brass and their importance. He explained that the plates of brass were the record of the Jews, a record of many of the prophecies from the beginning down to and including part of those spoken by Jeremiah. On them was the Law of Moses, the five books of Moses, and the genealogy of the Nephite forebears. There was more on them than there is in the Old Testament as we now have it. The prophecies of Zenoch, Num, Zenos, Joseph the son of Jacob, and probably many other prophets were preserved by them, and many of these writings foretold matters pertaining to the Nephites. The value of the brass plates to the Nephites cannot be overestimated. By means of them, they were able to preserve the language, most of the civilization, and the religious knowledge of the people from whence they came. By way of contrast, the Mulekites, who were led out of Jerusalem some eleven years after Lehi's departure, and who had no record equivalent to the brass plates, soon dwindled in apostasy and unbelief and lost their language, civilization, and religion, as stated in Omni 14 through 18. From prophet to prophet and generation to generation, the brass plates were handed down and preserved by the Nephites. At some future date, the Lord has promised to bring them forth, undimmed by time and retaining their original brightness, and the scriptural accounts recorded on them are to go forth unto every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Nephi wrote to persuade men to come unto Jesus Christ, while studying 1 Nephi 6-11, through 11, seek to understand how Nephi's writings fulfill this purpose. In particular, note how the vision of the tree of life testifies of the love of God and the mission of the Savior. Nephi received this vision as a result of his righteous desires and willingness to be obedient. As you align your desires and actions with the will of the Lord like Nephi, you can also receive personal revelation by the power of the Holy Ghost. First Nephi 6.4 states for us, For the fullness of mine intent is that I may persuade men to come unto the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and be saved. Nephi's motive for writing was to bring people to Jesus Christ so they could be saved. President Ezra Taft Benson explained how the Book of Mormon accomplishes this important purpose. The Book of Mormon brings men to Christ. 
It tells in a plain manner of Christ and his gospel. It testifies of his divinity and of the necessity for a redeemer and the need of our putting trust in him. It bears witness of the fall and the atonement and the first principles of the gospel, including our need of a broken heart and a contrite spirit and a spiritual rebirth. It proclaims we must endure to the end in righteousness and live the moral life of a saint. President Benson explained that the phrase the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob refers to the Savior. We must keep in mind who Jesus was before he was born. He was the creator of all things, the great Jehovah, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was and is the Holy One of Israel. First, Nephi 7.1 states for us, And now I would that ye might know, that after my father Lehi had made an end of prophesying concerning his seed, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto him again, saying that, It was not meet for him, Lehi, that he should take his family into the wilderness alone, but that his sons should take daughters to wife, that they might raise up seed unto the Lord in the land of promise. The sons and daughters of Lehi and Ishmael would marry and rear children unto the Lord in the land of promise. Righteous families are an integral part of the Lord's divine purposes. The First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles proclaimed that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. The first commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve pertained to their potential for parenthood, as husband and wife. We declare that God's commandment for his children to multiply and replenish the earth remains in force. President Boyd K. Packer testified that joy comes from following the divine pattern for parenthood. Our destiny is so established that man can only find complete fulfillment and fill the divine purpose for his creation with a woman to whom he is legally and lawfully married. The union of man and woman begets babies that are conceived and cross that frail footpath into mortality. This divine pattern was planned and the gospel designed from before the world was. The plan provides for us to come to the world into a mortal body. It is the great plan of happiness. We did not design it. If we follow the pattern, happiness and joy will follow. First, Nephi 7-2 states for us, And it came to pass that the Lord commanded him that I, Nephi, and my brethren should again return unto the land of Jerusalem and bring down Ishmael and his family into the wilderness. The Book of Mormon is sometimes referred to as the Stick of Joseph or the Stick of Ephraim. Lehi was a descendant of Manasseh and Ishmael was a descendant of Ephraim. The prophecies of Jacob were fulfilled as Ishmael's family, Ephraim, came to the American continent with Lehi, Manasseh. Elder Erastus Snow of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles discussed the importance of Ishmael's lineage. Whoever has read the Book of Mormon carefully will have learned that the remnants of the house of Joseph dwelt upon the American continent, and that Lehi learned by searching the records of his fathers that were written upon the plates of brass, that he was of the lineage of Manasseh. The prophet Joseph informed us that the record of Lehi was contained on the 116 pages that were first translated and subsequently stolen, and of which an abridgment is given us in the first book of Nephi, which is the record of Nephi individually he himself being of the lineage of Manasseh. But that Ishmael was of the lineage of Ephraim, and that his sons married into Lehi's family, and Lehi's sons married Ishmael's daughters, thus fulfilling the words of Jacob upon Ephraim, and Manasseh in the 48th chapter of Genesis, which says, And let my name be named on them, 
and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the land. Thus these descendants of Manasseh and Ephraim grew together upon this American continent. First, Nephi 7.14 states for us, For behold, the Spirit of the Lord ceaseth soon to strive with them. For behold, they have rejected the prophets, and Jeremiah have they cast into prison. And they have sought to take away the life of my father, insomuch that they have driven him out of the land. Nephi explained that the Jews in Jerusalem in his day rejected God. As a result, the Spirit of the Lord would no longer be with them. If the Lord's people reject his prophets, the prophets are taken out of their midst and tragedy follows. When the Spirit ceaseth to strive with man, then cometh speedy destruction. Such was the case in Noah's day, with the Nephites and with the Jaredites. The same warning has been given in the latter days. First, Nephi 7, verse 15 states for us, Now behold, I say unto you that if you will return unto Jerusalem, ye shall also perish with them. And now, if ye have choice, go up to the land, and remember the words which I speak unto you, that if ye go, ye will also perish. For thus the Spirit of the Lord constraineth me that I should speak. Laman and those influenced by him were not captives on the journey toward the land of promise. Nephi answered their desire to return to Jerusalem by declaring a fundamental doctrine. Ye have choice. As President Thomas S. Monson stated, each of us has the responsibility to choose. You may ask, are decisions really that important? I say to you, decisions determine destiny. You can't make eternal decisions without eternal consequences. Nephi warned his brothers and those who wanted to go with them that they would perish if they returned to Jerusalem. Blinded by hard-heartedness and disobedience, those rebelling against Lehi and Nephi failed to perceive the truth of Lehi's prophecies concerning the destruction that awaited Jerusalem. According to the Bible, soon after Lehi's colony left, the city was surrounded by the Babylonians. There was no bread for the people of the land. The city was broken up, and Zedekiah's army was scattered. If Laman and Lemuel had returned to Jerusalem, they would have suffered captivity or death. Because they chose to follow Lehi and Nephi, they enjoyed the fruit and honey of the land of Bountiful, while preparing for an inheritance in the land of promise. 1 Nephi 7, 17-19 states for us, But it came to pass that I prayed unto the Lord, saying, O Lord, according to my faith, which is in thee, wilt thou deliver me from the hands of my brethren? Yea, even give me strength that I may burst these bands with which I am bound. And it came to pass that when I had said these words, Behold, the bands were loosed from off my hands and feet, and I stood before my brethren, and I spake unto them again. And it came to pass that they were angry with me again, and sought to lay hands upon me. But behold one of the daughters of Ishmael, yea, and also her mother, and one of the sons of Ishmael, did plead with my brethren, insomuch that they did soften their hearts, and they did cease striving to take away my life. Elder Jeannie R. Cook of the Seventy pointed out that, like Nephi, we can be delivered from our own bonds by the prayer of faith. Note that they Nephi, Alma, and Amulek did not have faith in their own strength. They trusted in the Lord and relied on his strength. It is faith in Christ that will deliver us from our own bonds. It is increasing our faith in Christ that will give us added power in prayer.